Anytime any one of us takes a step out, we're taking a chance. Win, lose, or draw. We won't know otherwise unless we're bold enough to make that change. Here are your stories about taking a chance. Welcome to the By Chance Podcast. So I've been going through my crisis since probably about 23. And by crisis, she means her quarter life crisis. That's what Ms. Simmons' story is about this week. She's recognized that she is in fact and has been going through some sort of crisis. Because I am a planner and I want better for myself. So for me, it started definitely in my early-ish or mid-20s, 23, 24 where I really was, I was in school, no kids, just me. I was paying for school on my own. So I was definitely racking up some bills, uh, racks on racks on racks of student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in grad school. And so I really just was trying to figure out what I want to do. I was a fashion major and you just don't make money in that. And in all vain purposes, I just wanted to make money. I was like, I don't care what I do. I want to do something I love, but also I want to make money. Like, I can't be that person who's, like, living in a studio apartment in New York, feeding cats, but loves my, you know, shitty retail job. Um, So I just was trying to look for careers that I could use my degree, but also go in the direction of money. I wasn't chasing money, but I also understood that I'd be stupid if I was just chasing dreams and not knowing how I was going to pay back my student loans. Um, so went to grad school, wanted to be a professor, got out of grad school, was like, I'm not doing any more schooling. This is literally it. Um, but I enjoyed teaching. I love talking. I love being in front of people. So, um, I just really started to come to crisis because I went to high school with guys who played in the NFL and who played in the NBA and, um, some friends who start their own businesses. So you just start comparing yourself. You're like, these people came from the same place I came from. Very similar backgrounds, same neighborhoods. And like, they're doing it. Like they're making great money and they're following their dreams and they're professionals. And I was 25, 26 when I graduated um, grad school. And I didn't feel like a professional. Like I was a teacher, but I, was, I didn't feel like a professional. I was one of the younger teachers. So, of course, I knew nothing. So I just kept going through crisis mode of like, oh, my God, I'm not here. And as a female, all my girlfriends started having kids and getting married. And I was still <laughs> the chick going to the bars, you know, a few times a week and loving to get hammered and <laughs> still flirting with, like, weirdos. So I just kept going through crisis mode. Like I'd have great moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm doing my thing. I was making really great money as a teacher, had my own place and, you know, but I wasn't doing what I loved. I did not love the teaching. I liked it, but I didn't love it. What am I doing? What have I achieved? I have no wealth. I'm now paying my debts off, but I'm going to be paying these off until I'm 70. So, you know, I just kind of went through my ups and downs of my quarter life crisis. And so that pretty much happened from 25 um, until now, <laughs> which is still going on. I picked up on Miss Simmons comparing her life against the lives that others have made for themselves. So I asked why. Why juxtapose your story with someone else's? Well, it's hard not to. These are also things that most girls 
want for themselves. You know, you when you're younger as a female, again, these are different stories than guys. Um, because I have guy cousins and we tell them, even I tell them different things than I tell my sister. Um, we're told different stories. You know, you want to go to college and find your perfect husband. You know, you want to go to college, find your husband and build a life with him. And you want to be in your 20s, you know, get married in your 20s and then have kids in your late 20s and have a house. Like you are systematically told these things. There are images that you see. I... I remember going to a first-time home buyer's class and freaking out because I was like, I don't want a house. Like, if the water main breaks, I got to fix that? Like, me? <laughs> you know, I have to have this much in savings in case my roof collapsed? Like, I was not for it. I'm like, yo, keep me in an apartment or a nice condo where if something happens, I can call somebody. You know, you're, you're given these messages of what you should want as a female, as a woman, um, especially as a successful woman or what success actually is. So, you know, you, even when I'm going to my friend's weddings and baby showers and hanging out with them, I mean, these aren't just images you physically see. The, I mean, you see on social media, these are things you are witnessing and you're a part of their life and what they're doing. And it's not that I wanted their life, but I wanted those things. I wanted those things, which I equated to happiness, you know, the house, the husband, the kids, you know, the, the great job, the, you know, the tangibles, the, the money, the cars. I wanted to be able to live in that type of um, luxury. I wanted to have my degree and be married by 25. Like, I really wanted to be married by 25. I wanted kids by 28. Um and I wanted to have a stable life by 30, which for me was husband, a solid husband, like relationship, marriage, young kids. I wanted a house that they were going to grow up in. And I wanted a BMW. <laughs> and then I, I used to want a BMW by the time I graduated college. But then I was like, uh, I'm not sure about BMWs. And then I wanted a Mercedes truck because that G-Wagon is everything. <laughs> so... I wanted a G-Wagon, yes, with car seats in the back and melted crayons. But, like, those were things I wanted by 30. I didn't even think past 30 at that point. But I'm 30 now, and I'm like, oh, my God. Could I, I would have been married for five years. And I'd have two snotty-nosed kids by now. Like, now it's like, ugh, no. But then, like, that was it. I knew if I didn't meet that by 30, I was a failure <laughs> at life and that's kind of so, that's kind of it, it's deep, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of harsh. But you 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 do realize like your your goals for thirty, or even your goals for for twenty five, were dependent on somebody else. Like it wasn't it wasn't just you. You had to find somebody that had to compromise with what you were saying precisely. Like yeah, that's, I that's, mean that was that's, a big thing. That's so hard to do though. Like you. Basically, when you when you get into a marriage, it's it's you agreeing to somebody else's terms, period. So to set that as a goal is by, you know, in date, that's kind of almost unattainable. It is because life has no end date. Look, we don't know our end date, but I'm the type of person who plans. I used to be that kid in like elementary school with a planner mm -hmm. that was full and was accurate with check marks and highlights 
and pencil. I used to have a system of pencil and pen when I used to use my planner because I was like, pencil are things that I want to do, but I can change. But when I put it in pen, that's it. Like you can't erase it. So I was that kid. Um, I was that kid. So when you, you talk about goals, for me, yeah, 25 was at the time what I thought was realistic. Oh, yeah, I can definitely do about 25 because I'll be in my career and all this other stuff, you know. And again, I went to college and I went to college away. So those weren't things that were not attainable because I knew people who had that. I knew people who found great jobs after school and I knew people who found the love of their life in school or right after school and were getting married at 25 and 26 and I, I mean, I have friends now who I know who are 30 with two and three kids and married, you know, so it wasn't that it was unrealistic in hindsight. It was just not my personal journey, but that was what a lot of us went. I mean, a lot of me and my girlfriends freshman year were like, oh yeah, we're going to find this man here. Like that was not outside of the norm, you know? Was it more your peer group that was like your guide through all this? Or did you have like someone you would go to? Because like we're, we're talking crisis. I did. not ha- I had mentors in school, but they were more academic, professional. I'm, I'm talking like the whole, you know, the, 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 the midlife crisis, the 25 till now. Like, so if you're, yeah. you're going through something, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gap in you that's unfulfilled. Right. So, you know, like shit ain't go the way you wanted it to go. Uh, yeah. So are you you still relating to your peer group to kind of not coach, but like you you need an outlet. You need somebody to to give a damn about what's happening or not happening for you. Yeah, you do. So unfortunately for me, yeah, it is just kind of me winging it and using my peer groups, my, you know, my friends to, uh, be along this journey with me. I can't really describe it anything else, but. When I was in school, I actually used to go see our school counselor. So once a week or uh, once every other week, I actually sat with a (laughs) professional to work my shit out Mm -hmm. uh, as best as possible. I'm blessed that we are still in connection on social media. So there are times when I'm having moments and she'll call me and we'll have our session, our free sessions, um, her pro bono sessions, because she's a doctor now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, unfortunately, the past five years have just been me figuring out this shit on my own. How would you grade yourself at crisis management? Because for the last X amount of years, you've been going through a crisis. Crisis management. Okay. I would definitely say I'm at a solid B, maybe B minus. Um, I used to be really bad at dealing with it. Um, I used to hit like wine, vodka, very, very, very hard. Like I borderline could have been a full-fledged alcoholic, (laughs) Um, right now I cope better. My unfortunate coping habit has been work. So instead of in the past, when I used to deal with this and just go on my spiral and it was like, I'm drinking like a bottle of wine a night, or I'm drinking like half a bottle of liquor. 
now I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on work. So I will get myself deep into projects and not actually deal with the issue. So when it comes to managing it, I don't spiral out of control, but I then refocus on the things in life that generally are pretty stable. So for me, working, career, whether I like my career or not, I generally can get myself caught up in it enough where I don't deal with the other stuff. You know, I don't deal with the relationships issue or the ticking time clock that is my ovaries or, you know, any of that stuff. I can just say, you know, like in the past, um, you know what, I'm just going to be the best cheerleading coach and I'm going to be the best teacher and curriculum writer and I'm going to do after school programs and I'm going to do community service and it's like okay but you got other issues that you kind of need to deal with instead of just throwing yourself into the you know Mm -hmm. the one thing you do have going on so the three key markers in Miss Simmons quarter life crisis have been partner career and family so I wanted to know which out of the three was most important I will be honest. I mean, career really is. Career is number one. But it's hard to really value one over the other um, because Tuesday can be career, 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 because I've been busting my ass over the past couple of weeks on my career. But next Tuesday, it could be family because I've gotten a little bit of a leash on this. And so now I'm like, okay, crap, I got to kind of face these things or, you know, who knows what what might happen over the weekend where now I'm thinking about family. Um, Because literally two weeks ago, I didn't think about a career. I was like, you know, a career will happen. I'm going on the right, you know, I'm I'm going down the right path. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But I was at a wedding. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, family and relationships will slap you in the face when you're in the wedding. I mean, you just, there's a fever about it. So it can change, but I would definitely say um, for the most part right now, it is career. Getting my career back on track, getting the finances back on track and getting myself to the next level. That's been, I would say the biggest, I would say out of 2016, that has been the biggest theme has been, uh, career. Do you recognize? I mean, I, do you recognize when you're back on track, or are you just caught up? Yeah. In the wheels moment. Oh okay. no no no! I'm really good about it because it's like like you said it's, it's a I'm a very I'm a plan type of person and so I know when the dominoes are fitting. Is that right? No puzzles. Dom- fit. Puzzle pieces. Fit. Dominoes <laughs> fall. Dominoes fall. <laughs> when like the puzzle pieces are are in there and they're working, I'm like, okay, yeah, we got this going. That's when it's like, and let's start facing other issues. But then the question is, what could the solution be? It has to be you. You have to be the solution. <sighs> so what would you think that my issue is? Um, let's turn this conversation on you, black man. You can turn it on me. It's still about you. <laughs> Uh, the, 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 the issue is you were doing it wrong and it's not to go back into like college, like fuck college. Like we, we all had an idea about what we wanted to do back then. And then it changed cause we grew up, we matured something else happened within us to want to do something else for us. However, the, the, I still go back to like the, fr- the, the wanting of a like partner 
and like having mm-hmm. that as a goal with a finite date is kind of like your, your detriment. Like it, it takes, it takes reflection. Um, and as far as like career, listen, I know you bust your ass. I also know you have to be fairly interested in what you're doing for your ass to be continuously busting. Yeah. So I don't know what, like, I don't know what's interesting to you. Like, I don't know what's, what's that driving, motivating, uh, force. Well, for me, career wise, but. Yeah, well, when it comes to careers, I think there's never going to be a, a finite anything. Um, there are a few things I am working on because I know that they are going to be similar to what you do, which I actually was talking to another young lady that we know and was like, yeah, I just really want to do it. And I want to start making love to projects. <laughs> so, you know, and you've been very critical of me just doing it. So that's things that I, I, I am looking towards doing. So you gave me, you gave yourself a score of a B, right? Yep. As far B, as managing, B minus, yeah. B, B minus in managing your quarter life crisis. So that's passing. So what? I am passing. Yeah. So, so what are you doing actively to address these areas that you, with the exception of career, because you spoke about you focusing on that. So what about yeah. uh, partner? Because that's so the only way we get to doing... family. I will say what I am doing to raise my GPA is I actively decided, huh? In the the area of partner. That's what we're talking about. Yes, in the area of partner. Partner relations, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and anatomy. (laughs) 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 I am active. I chose this last month, actually in June. I said, if I meet a guy be it him from my past or from my present, you know, somebody brand new. Mm -hmm. If I meet a guy and he asks me on a date, I can't say no. Cause I used to give people the run around. Like I would give them my phone number or the fake phone number or be like, Oh yeah, maybe we can. uh, Well, this week I'm busy. Maybe like I used to tell people like two weeks from now. Oh, well, I can't do it this week because I'm busy. But like two weeks from now, because no guy is going to wait two weeks to go on a date with anybody. (laughs) You know, when you hear two weeks, you're like, okay, she's playing. So it's yes. Okay. An immediate date and time. And I'm going to be there on time, which is always an issue. So basically... I made sure that I'm not doing any more self-sabotaging. When I give you a fake number, obviously, I don't want to talk to you. When I tell you we can meet up two weeks from now, I clearly don't want to meet up with you. When I blow you off the day of or if I'm consciously late, it's because I really don't want to do it. And I'm hoping that if I say I'm late, that you'll say you can't. You know, Those are all self-sabotaging mechanisms that I use and many other people use. So... Guy from my past or present, if he's like, hey, you know, why don't we go out for drinks? I have to say yes immediately. No hesitation. I have to say yes. I need to do it within that week. So it's like, yes, let's do something on Tuesday or let's do something in two days or three days. I need to set a time that 
is realistic. So if he's like, yeah, let's do it after work. And I know I get off at six. I don't need to be like, sure, let's do it at six. Cause then I know I'm going to be late. So I have to say, okay, well I get off at this time. Let's meet around eight so that I can bypass traffic or Metro or whatever. So no more self-sabotaging, but the big, the two big things are yes. And it has to be done immediately. Those are my two things I'm doing now. No more fake numbers or names either. For many, the college years are some of the most transformative. You come in green and come out thinking you actually know something about something. Be it the exposure to other students from various walks of life, the young adult freedoms, the enlightening instruction, having your preconceived notions challenged by others or what have you. Things are just different. I asked Miss Simmons if the undergrad and graduate versions of her had similar graduate ideas. Well... Starting out, yes, but, but I think overall, so I started out as a business major. I knew I wanted to do business, but when you go to college and I went to a liberal arts school, uh, the premise behind liberal arts school and many of the courses you take are to think and be free thinkers mm-hmm. and be the innovators and the changers. You know, I going to college, that was the first time that teachers were asking me why well, why do you think that? Or how did you come to that conclusion? I'm like, I don't know. It was in a book. You know, <laughs> my school was not for it. They were like, oh, no, no, no. Like, do your research, yes. But we want to know why. Like, why do you think or want to do certain things this way? So being 18 and going through a school system, which most systems in the U.S. are really about <clears throat> what you know and standardized testing and, you know, understanding where you fall you know, in the planks, it's, it was different going to college. So when I got there and I'm told to be a free thinker and to do what I love and to shape myself and mold myself for this next journey called adulthood in life, I mean, I totally changed. I mean, I wanted to do business. I love making things work and making things work better, but I wanted to do it in an industry that I knew I would enjoy something that was fast paced. So that's why I did fashion. Um, but as I graduated and got into retail and retail management, it was not what you learn in school. I mean, retail management was not very fast paced. Um, it's, it can be very cold at times. And I wanted what you see on TV. I wanted the fashion industry. I wanted the shows and the designers. And I wanted the glitz and the glam that you see. But the the fact of the matter is in the fashion industry, it is not that. There are some people who are blessed to do those jobs, Mm -hmm. but they are very low pay. Um, They are very hard to come by to, to make an actual living off of, um, I have friends who are stylists and friends who are designers and they've had moderate success in which they make livable wages, but it took them years just to get to where I am financially, um, just by teaching for a year or two. (laughs) Um, so when I went back to school was just because I wanted to also be more competitive. Everybody has a bachelor's degree. Everybody has a bachelor's degree. So mine wasn't going to stand out any different from anybody else's. I knew I had to get a master's. And a lot of my friends at the time were getting master's. And a lot of people and older people in my life were like, hey, if you're going to get a master's, get it now, which was great. Um, But once I got out of school, I was still in the same direction. I was like, okay, well, I know I want to manage. I know I want to be on the business side of things. But I like teaching. I love talking to people. So... When I got into that, 
again, that's kind of where those quarter life crisis moments started to set in, you know, I had a bachelor's degree. I had a decent job. I was a manager at Nordstrom's. Well, I was only making 40000 a year, but I wanted more. You know, I was working in an area where I'm working at a store where I'm selling 200 and $300 and $400 sunglasses that I couldn't even afford, but I'm selling them and I'm pushing them. And, I'm, you know, it, it just kind of, it messes with you. Mm-hmm. So that crisis starts to come in, especially when you're selling to people who are your age, <laughs> who are buying two and three of them. You're like, okay, I'm doing something wrong. Like again, those images, I'm doing something wrong. Why am I not able to do these things? Um, so when I went to grad school, again, I'm around my peers. So the pressure wasn't really there. Um, but as I graduated, it did get there because it's like, okay, I now have a master's, you know, you get this sense of entitlement. Number one, when you get a master's, anybody who says they don't is lying. <laughs> um, I'm serious. I, I kid you not. People are like, no, I mean, I'm the same person. No, you're not. When you have a master's, there is a certain amount of BS you decide you're not tolerating anymore. There's a certain income you refuse to take. Um, there is a certain amount of privilege you expect to have at a job in a position because you have a certain degree. Um, and But that wasn't happening with me because mm-hmm. with the master's, though I was a teacher and I was in a really good county. I was still just a teacher. I was... I was a teacher just like everybody else. You know, mm-hmm. my kids crapped on me just as much as the principal. Like, I was just like everybody else and I was in a sea of just everybody else's, you know. So, that crisis began began to kick in because I was knocking on 30. I was just teaching. I wasn't really living up to my potential. And um, I had a master's. Like I, I became this entitled millennial yuppie that I never wanted to be. And you sat in school and, you know, shot up some of your debt to be able to live a certain comfortable lifestyle that you're not getting. Um, there's a joke about how much strippers make in Atlanta. And though many of us joke about it, there's a small part of us who are like, yeah, we definitely made a terrible decision. I mean, <laughs> I, I kid you not, I thought to myself, had I taken just a semester's worth of what I paid, I could have gotten, not a semester, maybe a year, I could have gotten ass shots, bigger breasts, learn how to pole dance really good and probably wiped out all of my college tuition and grad school tuition probably in a year and like living in Miami. It's funny and laughable, but I'm like, I don't have a bad face and with a, you know, with makeup, I look amazing. But had I gotten like spent like good money on ass shots, like I wouldn't have got the cheap ones that you get in the bathroom, but like, good ass shots and I say bathroom because I actually witnessed a girl getting ass shots in the bathroom at a stadium nightclub (laughs) yeah like this chick was literally like yo I'm selling ass shots and they went in the bathroom yeah that really happened in real life but nonetheless like I would have paid for like the good ones because I'm I'm five six and I'm not that big so I wanted to I would want someone who's professional to make sure like they look proportioned and I would have paid money for some really good ass shots. And I have a good rack, but, you know, 
if you're going to make the money, you have to have an amazing one. So, you know, spend another couple thousand dollars on that. Again, we're talking about a year's tuition. So we're talking about roughly about $10,000 to $15,000. Good rack, good as workout, really good to make sure that they, you know, smooth out and get proportionate. Move to Miami with maybe a friend. Most strippers generally have befriend each other and get that hustle going. Um, and just literally getting a good enough club where I can make enough money to have paid for everything. Like that literally is something I probably should have done. I mean, who cares if I can't buy decent pair of jeans for a while? <laughs> That's all that. Well, you know, get a good weave, but you know, you go through those crises because you see these things. I mean, it's hard to, I can pretend to be this chick who's natural and educated and so above that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is when you're sitting on your couch, you know, figuring out your bills and figuring out who's going to be late, and who's not going to be late. <laughs> and you're watching, you know, Love and Hip Hop and Jocelyn, who's allegedly 30, um, you know, making a life for herself off of just her body. I mean, just no real talent, but just off of her body, nothing of substance coming out of her mouth. You you do kind of get self-conscious and you're like, did I do something wrong? You know, <laughs> I'm tripping like maybe I could have made better decisions and that better decision could have been ass shots. I know that what you see now, what glitters is not always gold. And there are a lot of problems that those people have that I don't want no parts of, you know, but the, the fact is, is that when we talk about, going through quarter life crisis you know that was mine this is my story and my struggle um you know when I see these things and want to have certain things um but those opportunities aren't allotted to me but you see it out there it is hard you know those are things you just constantly cope with you know a part of my quarter life crisis like I said was career is that I have been in education for over six years I've been working in at colleges and universities. I've worked in the middle school, worked with high schoolers. Um, and career-wise, I mean, I'm doing pretty well for myself, but I want to step outside of that. And with the job that we had when we worked together, that was me stepping outside of it. I was like, okay, I'm out of the classroom. I'm working with the tech company. This is different. This is new. And it failed. Like, it was terrible. You know, that was a part of what I'm going through now is just like, okay, I tried to step out of education-ish, kind of. That didn't work. Well, am I going in the right direction or should I get back in my road well-traveled, you know, instead of trying to go and veer off to other things? Um, you know, those are the layers that come with, uh, obviously, the journey called life. It also plays into those crises that, you know... When you're doing something that you've done for so long and so well, you know, when you try to step outside of that and you fail, you're kind of like, okay, maybe I did do the wrong thing. You know, maybe I'm going too far off the rails and I'm trying to get all of this stuff done. I think another marker I didn't really mention is I'm trying to get this stuff done before I have people to answer for, i.e. children, i.e. a husband. As much as relationships are important, I'm by myself. So when I screw up, it's really just between me and my dog. And as long as I can buy him a bag of food, he's good for two months. I don't have a lot of responsibility. <laughs> um, 
And when things go wrong, I mean, I can move back in with my mom or I can just get a smaller apartment. I don't have a lot. I don't have anyone to answer to. Um, and as long as I can feed myself, I'm straight. So I am trying to make some of these bad decisions or questionable decisions now because I don't have anybody that I have to answer to. Now, if I had a husband, that's going to be a huge issue if I'm failing at certain things because he might be like, look now, for better or for worse, rich or poor, but I'd prefer, you know, not the latter. Like, I'd rather it be for richer. Like, let's start making some better decisions. You know, for me, going through this crisis, like you said, can be a very good thing. It's like, hey, why not be freaked out and have these issues in your late 20s, early 30s? Because then, you know, the rest of your life, I can hopefully be more happy or not have to deal with the same issues. Like, who wants to go through a midlife crisis for real and be like, yeah, I'm quitting my, you know, job or ending this business and I'm going to go off and, like, work on a beach putting people's name on a beat of rice you know like (laughs) it's good i'm having these issues now right i guess so they say get it get it out so that you can get it together for the later years what would i say to the 25 year old shawnees i think what i would tell my younger self in the briefest form of this conversation would be number one you're awesome and you're amazing never let anyone tell you any different no matter what people say or think don't let them tell you that you know don't give people that satisfaction of being able to bring you down you know I think the second thing I would tell 25 year old Shawnee's is that it is 100% okay to make mistakes, make more of them now. I think I I was definitely way too cautious at 25, way too cautious. And I had a, I had a better safety net at 25 than I do now. Mm-hmm. I should have made more mistakes then. I should have definitely made more mistakes then um, because of the net I had. So... I would have definitely told 25-year-old Shawnee to make more mistakes. (laughs) Make more mistakes now. And then I think the last thing I would tell my younger self, my 25-year-old self, um, I think it would just really be... um, I think I think those may actually really be the only two. I think the other ones would be a little bit more deep and personal, but I think those are the just the two. I just really telling myself, you know, the strength that I have that trust me it's going to be okay. Um <laughs> like you'll be alright. Like trust me. I think the biggest thing like I said would be not letting people bring me down and in not internalizing some of those ne- those negative things and thoughts and um, knowing that I'm amazing. And then, yeah, make more mistakes. Uh, make more mistakes. You know, I, I, I was way too cautious at 25. Next time on the By Chance Podcast. On your, you know, on that last day is going to be that person was always there for me. You know, you don't hear people at weddings who say like, yeah, and I mean, God, 
the best sex ever. <laughs> How do you say that? If you enjoyed it, come back. If you did not enjoy it, come back anyway. I'm sure you'll enjoy the next one. I'm Jay Del Negro. And you can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, IG, and Snapchat, all under J Del Negro. Or email me at jdelnegro at gmail.com. Remember, in life, the only safe thing you can take is a chance. See you all next week.